Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can paranormal parasites, uh, popularly known as demons, be killed? Has there been a spike in UFO sightings since the coronavirus began? What do you do if you're quarantined in a haunted house? So welcome to the 838th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those unique uh, to a pandemic questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and dad, Paul. And today we bring you an open line show on all kinds of things we never expected to be talking about. And we welcome your calls today. Uh, the number is 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com or contact us by Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So we are sad that Shane uh, Searway, our favorite guest co-host, who's always on these open line shows, is not with us in the studio. However, we're happy that he is with us via Skype. You know, I don't know what we do right now without the internet. We'd be back in the 19th century. Forever. Well, it's kind of funny. I uh, I saw this this picture, and it was this guy that looked like very worried, and and the caption was, "All the inter- internet companies, when people finally use the internet, they pay for." And it was, and I, I thought that was really funny because most people don't use their internet all the time well, because they're working out of their house or whatever. And now everyone's home, and it's like putting yeah. a ton of stress on everyone's yeah. bandwidth. Well, so, so Shane, uh, welcome to your broadcast home, and we're uh, happy to have you with us, at least uh, one way or the other. I'm happy to be back in these strange times. Yeah, strange is right. Well, speaking of strange, uh, let's uh, let's get right into our um, open line format here with our uh, emails and. Uh, I mean, who communications. doesn't, who doesn't right. love emails, huh? <laughs> yeah, right, especially now. Okay, uh, well, I guess it's appropriate to begin with one from Phil, one of our Connecticut reporters. Mm. And uh, take it away, Ben. Ah, yes. Phil writes to us. Um, just a thought. Uh, I remember your earlier shows uh, about a majority, a major upheaval occurring between uh, 2012 and 2016. Perhaps in this section of the multiverse, I am wondering if that is happening now with the coronavirus. All right. Well, I mean, I have to really stress that, that we do not make predictions. We will share hunches and thoughts and perhaps uh, prognostications with, with people. It's probably more of an estimated guess. Well, yeah. I mean, just the, 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 the whole thing, I suppose, stemmed from the 2012 Issue, you know, if people remember back then, which is uh, you know, while well, eight years ago now, that on December twenty first, twenty twelve, the world was going to end. Uh, that was the the popular interpretation of the end of the Mayan calendar for that particular period. Uh, that's really not what it said, uh, if it said anything about it. And uh, what do you mean by the world ending? I mean, the whole thing just goes poof, you know, uh, people disappear. But what does that even mean? So uh, based on that. Um, I suggested, and this is there was mainly from uh, you know having been a journalist for almost well forty one years now, but then you know a, lot, a long time too. You know, just uh, looking at the, the the whole landscape, the um, international situation, the this and that, um, I had suggested that that maybe uh, parasites might take advantage of certain things as they always do. And that uh, there might be some great upheaval, and you can't argue. Uh, I talked to some people that the world, in a way, kind of did end in 2012. The whole political landscape changed; everything changed seemingly. And I guess that depends on your point of view. But I think that that's what what it came out. But as far as the current situation, this was a ticking time bomb anyway. I know there's a lot being made right now. Bill Gates having said five years ago that the biggest threat is a global pandemic. Uh, 35 years ago in the military, they were telling us that kind of thing. And uh, whether it be a, 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 an accidental pandemic, if you believe in accidents at all, uh, or a uh, bio-warfare sort of a thing, it was a danger. It was, it was just a matter of time. So I, I, you know, I wasn't making any prognostications about that. Shane, Ben, what do you fellas say? You first, Shane. Oh, you I got nothing. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's, nothing on that's I'm not going to top argument. anything either one of you guys say on that topic. So, All right. I mean, I, I I suppose you know anything is inevitable, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, a, an asteroid. What well, I think within the last like what few months there have been five asteroids within distance of striking the Earth or something like that. 
Yeah, well, uh, kind of close shave sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, at any point in time, anything can happen. You know, there's that that sort of. If there's one sort of well, there's actually a, cu- a couple of odd silver linings to everything that's happening. Not to be insensitive, of course. Um, but but you know, this is a really great reminder of how fragile everything is. Yes. And you know, our our daily lives. Although, albeit, I see little to no difference in my daily life, but that's just because of how I live. Um, but it, this has been a great disturbance to a lot of other people's daily routines and lives, and you know their health. And it's it's amazing how one disease could make such a huge impact on everything. You know, what if it was you know a nuclear disaster? What if it was you know. Um, and a robot uprising or something like that you know mm-hmm. not not to get hyperbolic but you know oddly enough a lot of these you know th- these disasters that can happen could happen at any moment yeah and it's it's very fragile oh yeah and it's it's a great reminder of that and i think as a species it's oddly beneficial so that way we kind of sort of grow some sort of discernment for how to live our lives. Yes. I think um, some good will come out of this, but again, it is very fragile, or as um, Darren McGavin's character said in The Christmas Story, Fragile. But, yes. Uh, Must so, be Italian. Yeah, right. And so, it goes um, without saying that Mother Nature sure has time to heal, too, during this time, which is a positive, if, you know, if there is one. Yeah. Mm. That's definitely one of them. Yeah, true. Okay, well, let's move on to something... Um, Completely different here. This is from Doug from Texas. Ready. From Facebook. So Doug writes to us, uh, You have mentioned on multiple occasions that paranormal parasites can be killed. Uh, you have also mentioned the Aztec sh- shaman who dealt with the parasite and wound up with scratches as a result. Given the aforementioned and Paul's physical altercation with the parasite in Bridgeport, have any of you gentlemen met uh, someone who has actually killed one of these things? Okay, well, let me just qualify that by saying that I have written in a couple of the books and have uh, mentioned on the air that I've speculated that they might be able to be killed because if they depend, as we believe, on sustenance, uh, sucking the energy, if you will, from people, uh, then if they don't have any sustenance, uh, I have seen them go dormant for long periods. Uh, particularly when they're attached to the land, but I just don't, I don't know for sure if any can be killed. And, and I always qualify that by saying whatever meaning killed or death can have in a in a multiverse. Again, if that point of view is correct, in a multiverse in which there are so many versions of everything, including parasites, uh, how can you even die in that situation? So, so I mean, th- that's the background from which. It, Shane, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about that. Yeah, I agree. Like, there's no way for us to really know. Um, but like you said, we do take what from them. This is how I get rid of them. Is when I go to homes, that's how you guys do. Is you take away from them what they're taking from the the, the host, you know, and and so their food, if if that's what we, we want to call it. But <clears throat> so you know, it's it's basically it's it's fear. It's it's neg- like a lowered emotional um, state of being. And then attention that we give to this. So we take those three things away, and these things will go find, you know, that source somewhere else. And I have ran into the same one, you know, different locations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite a few times, actually. And, and so they, they will move on and find it somewhere else. So, but it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, where they're able to move on to something else. I mean, because they're coming and going. They're a life form, and they they can come and go from wherever they come from, and they can pop in. And so, if they can pop in here, they can pop in over there, and and you know, to to look for food. So, as long as there's people out there that are going to give it attention, there's you know that are gonna. There's a lot of fear in this world, um, no matter you know what direction you look. Um, and then also. Um, troubling times for every everyone people with that lowered emotional energy so um i i don't think they're gonna have a hard time getting what they need somewhere yeah so uh to, to kill them i'm not sure um you know there's no way for us to really tell well ben um you know i'm gonna have to agree with shane on that because i i think i think um semantics play a lot into this right 
because you know speculation and saying something are two different things right and we're not I, I honestly don't don't know if it's possible and again you know we could be completely wrong about this theory in the first place you know um you know we all kind of approach things through our own framework and the framework we have just happens to be the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum physics so i think with with that in mind you know our initial definition of of death that we have anyway is not even really death it's just a translation from sort of one portion of existence into another. And I think that it would kind of be, well, it might be the same throughout, too. So, I mean, even if you do, quote-unquote, kill a parasite, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's gone. It doesn't necessarily mean it's dead. I think that, you know, death in and of itself is just a horrible, sort of, a, a terribly defined word. <laughs> yeah. Because it would mean the end of existing, and does anything really ever stop existing is, is the next question. No. And so if that's the case, you know, as as we as human beings don't stop existing, then more than likely, um, much much like, you know, other things just don't stop existing. They just sort of change. My argument would be that they would also change. Well, I, just building on what you fellows have said, uh, there was a case, I'll give you an example of a case where dormancy, I think, was, could have been misinterpreted as death, okay, mm. for the Paris. Uh, in the case, and Ben, you were involved in the tail end of this because the case went on for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starting in 1998, uh, you were a young tyke, and I uh, was working in Burrowville, Rhode Island, right in our listening area here. And I've written about this case in several places. And it was a standard, kind of a textbook parasite case with two parasites, one kind of dominating the other, two different species. That's a complicated story, but it's, you know, it's all written, written down somewhere in my books. But there was, uh, anecdotal evidence from local history that the area had been quiet for long, and, and the, the people had lived there for many, many years that had been quiet up to a certain point. But there was evidence from, uh, literature from uh, local historians, 17th, 18th centuries, uh, not 17th, but 18th and 19th centuries, that there had been activity in this area, not just that house, which didn't exist at the time, but on the land. And the interpretation was this thing was attached to the land. And as soon as it didn't have anything to eat, it, it apparently uh, had a spatial limitation because of uh, the kind of land, the geotechnical uh, factors there. And uh, from what I could see, it couldn't leave. Uh, it went dormant or, or went somewhere or someone else, greener pastures. And then all of a sudden came back when these people moved in and started uh, feeding it. So uh, th- I think that could have been interpreted as having uh, the thing been killed, but it was just dormant. So, I mean, for what that's worth, I think that that's an example. You know, here's a question. Um, I, don't, I don't know why, out of out of all the years of doing this, this never occurred to me. Um but it seems as if if there is a, a parasite involved, and I guess this is a question for the both of you, um, that they sort of only have a few key points in in sort of let's just say, for lack of better words, in space and time that they tend to kind of go between. If they can't get to those few points in time and space, where do they go? Shane, um, I you know I don't there's no way to really tell but they I I mean one thing I am sure of is that they are a life form that that seems to be able to um move to, you know through parallels um and so wh- where they actually come from I mean I think they're uh, you know a life form that exists within the multiverse um and you know what they you know that feeding off of our energy or, or you know I think it's a lot of, of emotion too and the attention that we give these things is um, a huge part of it and what they actually get from that but then you know I, I think of um, you know like human parasites that people actually and this this does go on and it's not a conspiracy theory it's a fact that um, people will abduct humans and they will torture them to raise the adrenaline in their blood and they'll drink the blood and you know so it's kind of they get a high off of they get a rush and um you know and it's disgusting but it does it does happen and and, and it's like these things are kind of doing the same thing they're tormenting you to get something from you just like you know these human parasites do as well um you know it's kind of the same thing you know yeah we have a very interesting question and and i think it goes without saying and 
everyone is writing in today. Everyone is listening. We love you and be keep, you know be safe out there. Because that really made me think of that one of. Um, We've got, uh, oh, I lost it here, it came in on the phone here. Uh, this is from Elaine in New York City, and, and we really think about all our friends in New York, because that's a really, really bad hot spot right now. Alrighty, so Elaine writes to us, Hi guys, uh, my name is Elaine and I live in New York City. I love your show. I know you always say to ignore negative entities so that they will uh, move on. My question is, uh, if I do ignore them and not let them feed off my energy, are they still able to get inside my head and read my thoughts about them? For example, do they know I'm sending this message about them? Shane? Yes. <laughs> so um, they know things that you don't even have to say out loud. So that's why I tell people if you are if you put yourself in a paranormal situation and you act like you're not afraid but you really are afraid um, or you act ha- happy even though you might be in a dark place, they know. And that's how they know is through emotional frequency. And, and um, I say frequency a lot because it's everything to do with this. And so that's how they're able to read thoughts, read your emotion, know how to push your buttons. Um, I was contacted contacted by uh, uh, this is a sad story recently but because of this virus I, I'm not able to get out to her just yet but young girl I think 21 um, when she was 13 she was kidnapped and she was put into a home where there was other kidnapped girls and they were used as sex slaves and, and prostitutes and stuff and they, they were you know they couldn't get out and these Johns would come to the house and do horrific things um, now she escaped when she was 18 and um she, she it was sad because she said that for a long time she didn't want to like she because she she had a sisterhood she, her those girls became her family and they were looking out for each other emotionally and everything and and so but finally she she did break away she got out of there and she's in a relationship right now and she, her current boyfriend doesn't well he's being attacked um it's attacking this parasite that that's with her is attacking him now um, but she she never told him this, but she's got PTSD from being strang- strangled, um, choked, and um, and so one night she woke up to her boyfriend choking her, and he she's like screaming, and finally he wakes up, but he, he didn't know what was going on. Something got in got into his dream or whatever made him act out her biggest fear was being choked and that's how these things work and now she never told him this so they they do know things so the best thing to do is um you know even if you don't give it attention it, it it'll find other reasons so you got to make sure that you are good emotionally so if there's problems in your life that are bringing you down or keeping you troubled internally um, do your best to work on those things and always look towards positive and if and if it's hard to do then occupy yourself physically with something positive so you can't revert back to your old dialogue your own internal dialogue those negative thoughts occupy yourself with something so you don't go back to those thoughts, um, but but definitely work on those things—the attention, um, your emotional state of being—and um, and once you get that down, you'll find out there's no reason to be afraid. Um, definitely, fear is the a big key too. So um, just take control of things, and you won't have to be uh, afraid of it either. But so that's my answer on that. Okay, I think I I agree with Shane, but I have an angle, um, and the angle is this: I think. I think it's really, really interesting, um, sort of from a third-party perspective, how they can sort of know things. And my theory on it is, I do, I do kind of agree with the emotional frequency stuff, but I think it might go a little deeper than that, because you know, why, why is it that you know parasites kind of take over personas of people in your life that you love? You know, why, why do they, why do they do that? And seemingly act similar to to that, but just a little off. I think it's because you know they're they're aware of the multiverse, right? So they they're they're aware that somewhere, someone they are these people, and they can use that to their advantage. And I think that works the same with you know cases like this, where they believe, or, or well, not so much believe they know. All right, well, somewhere, someone I'm this person. So I know that they experienced X, Y, and Z, and I know what makes them tick. For example, um, Father, you know, your experience when you were in the psych ward and, you know, that, that voice came through that woman uh, during that exorcism that knew about yeah. 
Uh, I wasn't a patient. I, I should qualify that. No, I know. I, I didn't want to go any further without, you know. Yes. Yes. So, so a perfect example, right? Yeah. How would it know that? There was a symbiotic relationship between the person being exercised and the uh, parasite. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a there's a very clear link, whether acknowledged or unacknowledged, that you know this sort of tacit agreement between the the host and the parasite itself. And, you know, you may acknowledge it, you may not, and I think I think thinking about, okay, well, is this thing reading my thoughts, is it knowing what I'm doing, you know, that's that's putting that seed of, it understands because it is you, that it knows that you're afraid. It knows that you're writing things because it knows you, because it is you somewhere, somewhen. So arguably... You know, in in that its its state of awareness, being able to go into multiple worlds at once, being able to know your your fears, you know, it is it is an emotional response, a sort of response to you know, sort of I, I guess a frequency spectrum for lack of better words, but also because it is you somewhere, somewhen. So it would know these deep dark secrets about you. It would know your thoughts, feelings, you know, how how everything in your environment is affecting you. Well, as if poor Elaine doesn't have enough to be afraid of living in uh, New York City right now. Well, uh, that's the, that's the thing. It's not yeah. a thing to be afraid of. The, yeah. the, the thing is coming to realize it, right? You know, one of, one of the biggest things in any sort of spiritual, like, you know, discipline is understanding yourself and understanding your world around you and seeing it for what it is. Yes, and seeing it for what it is makes it not scary. And understanding that, okay, this thing is me somewhere, somewhen, gives you the ability to recognize that and say, I don't want to be that somewhere, somewhen. And being able to just cut that off. Yes. Well, uh, also, I might uh, qualify one thing. Because uh, Elaine started with the idea of ignoring the thing. The time to ignore it, and we should make this clear, is at the very beginning. When it's beginning to feed... You know, uh, that's if you ignore it, that that's one of the ways to uh, cut off the food supply. That can work later on too, but there comes a point where other things would have to be done, and that's where it gets really difficult. Because uh, while there are some, I guess, good investigators out there, we've been, you know, sort of criticized in the past for criticizing all of them, and uh, there are some good ones. To be fair, human yeah. beings like to speak in blanket statements all over the place. Yes. But there are an awful lot of bozos out there who just are not going to do you any good. So the question is, where do you turn? And, uh, you know, we, I don't know, I just think, I, I think, I like to think that we are good sources of information. But um, the bottom line, whether you get any help or not, is what Shane and Ben have both said. Keep the positive energy flowing. Cut off the food supply with that. You can do that on your own to a point, but w- with the support of people around you. All right, that, that's the thing. Ben and I always joke, we call it the Peter Pan theory. Think happy thoughts, cut off the food supply, and uh, don't give it anything else to eat, and it will at least calm down, if not seek greener pastures. I know that sounds very simple, and it might not be, but that, that's where to begin, in our opinion. Anyway, so we better begin with our uh, bottom of the hour break here. It's uh, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's uh, kind of gray Blackstone Valley today. And uh, we'll be right back, so stick with us for Open Lines. Get down to brass tacks at home with me, Bob Vila, and my tip of the day every day right here. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day can only be heard on ON AM and FM every weekday at 6.50 in the morning. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day is brought to you by Cumberland Kitchen and Bath Design Center. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day on ON Radio. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's Blackstone Valley. And we're here with Open Lines today and our favorite guest co-host, Shane Searway, Skyping in from New Hampshire rather than coming down to the studios usually does because of the uh, unpleasant circumstances going on in our, on our planet right now. All right, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe we should go to a question from Tammy and... Um, Oh, no, that, I'm, I'm looking at one here from, there was, oh, yeah, okay, Tippy, Tippy from Bangor, Wales, not Bangor, Maine, Bangor, Wales, 
uh, I think that that's a very interesting question that, that Tippy asks. I do like the name Tippy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tippy writes to us, uh, my house is haunted and we are being told to stay indoors or at least, uh, uh, to go no farther than our own gardens. I inherited the house from my parents, so I own it. Uh, I grew up here, but I never liked it. I listen to your show and read your books, so I know your ideas, which I think make a good deal of sense. So I do not think uh, there are parasites, or not yet. Uh, There are what you might call time slips and grayish forms moving around. Uh, This happens two or three times a week. I do not feel threatened, but I do not like being watched. That's fair. Um, I know I can't be alone in this. It is like like, uh, being in paranormal lockdown, quote-unquote. Uh, do you have some advice for people in my situation? Well, I must say it's too bad it's not 1988 because I'd be in Bangor, Wales right about now and I could probably talk to you over the garden fence, maybe give some advice. Uh, however, that not being the case, uh, it's, I'm sure that there are many people who are, who are stuck at home who are in quote-unquote haunted houses. So, Shane, what advice would you have for Tippy? Well, uh, I want to bring this up too. I mean, just just in case, because what part of what she said could be explained away by other things. And I'm not saying that this that's her case, but other people listening might, but might be say, "Hey, I see gray sh- figures in my house too, and I feel like I'm being watched." But um, I've run into this a million times: uh, homes that have uninsulated wiring or high levels of EMF inside mm-hmm. the homes will cause shadowy movements in your peripheral. I mean, it, it does that. It, it messes up the firing between the brain and the eyes. And um, and also that feeling of being watched, that, that stimulates that part of that brain, these high EMF levels. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be sitting near electronics a lot. If you got, like, an alarm clock radio near your bed, I would move it away from your head, um, maybe to the other side of the room. Um, and, and no electronics near your head when you sleep. Um, some of them don't leak, but some of them are, you know, some, some of them are high. So, I mean, I would, I would do those things regardless, but... Um, but certainly, you know, if you're sitting at home and you're always thinking about it too, you know, if something's going to happen, you 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 may be given that attention to the to the possibility of an interaction, and you you most likely are going to get more activity, and you might even <clears throat> excuse me, you, you might have things pop in just for that same reason. That's why the Ouija board works because it it's a tool to focus your attention on a possibility of an in- interaction. Mm-hmm. If you're indoors all all the time and and that's all you're doing is thinking about, you know, this the, the ghosts or the feelings of being watched, you might draw something in. So I would stay occupied, um, like we said earlier, do do positive things. <clears throat> um, go out in your garden more, you know, if you can. Um, but but definitely stay occupied. Keep your internal dialogue occupied on positive things. And, and the, the best way to do that is do physical things that are positive. Don't don't just lie around and, and you know, wonder what's going to happen next. Um, but, I mean, that's the best way to go about it. Ben? Oh no, I I totally agree. I know um, a few of my my wife's friends are are who are quarantined and locked up. They're just doing a lot of projects in the house. Yeah, you know, like for whatever reason, they just were they had like a bunch of stuff they wanted to do and they just never ended up doing it. So now now they're like, oh well, we have all this time, you know, let's replace all the doorknobs in in all over the house or whatever, and just you know let's paint this room that room. And, you know, they're just keeping themselves busy with projects. And you know you know what they say. This is a very strange phrase to use, but you know, idle hands are, are the devil, are the devil's work, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's more, yeah, that that adds new depth to that old saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you have to keep yourself occupied because you know we are constantly thinking, you know, whether we like to think that or not. You know, so we're we're constantly dealing with thoughts that pop into our heads, and you know, constantly being distracted by things, turning our attention all over the place. So honestly, I agree with Shane. Just have something positive to do with your time. You know, learn a new instrument, read a book. You know, do some gardening. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with Shane uh, as far as uh, Tippy's situation and anybody else's. I've often found that in over the years that many. Uh, parasite cases have have, and, and I'm glad she mentions that there doesn't seem to be anything negative going on here. But uh, can can afflict people who are homebound in the sense of you know uh, ill and uh, of um, have a lower immunity to this kind of stuff. Uh, so I think the part about getting out in your garden and and people in the UK refer to their backyard. We call them backyards. They call them gardens. It might not necessarily be like Blythewold or, or uh, the Arnold Arboretum <laughs> in Boston, but uh, you know, they, they, are, they, they tend to love uh, their uh, immediate surroundings of their homes, and they're, they're wonderful people in this beautiful country. But I'd say, uh, Tippy, you know, get out when you can, just outside. You don't have to 
uh, break the um, law or whatever. I'm getting conflicting stories from our relatives in, in, in the UK about what the the regulations are, but you're supposed to stay home. Uh, and you can do a lot of positive things um, in the house or outside the house. I spend as much time outside as possible. But, um, yeah, I think generally, um, you know, you, you can uh, you can make a go of this, and uh, it doesn't have to be any kind of a serious problem. Mm. All right. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, Shane, did you have any questions from any of the listeners? I guess I, we, sometimes they write to you. Um, no, not nothing that pops up. Okay, well, we've got plenty um, here. Yeah, I've been so occupied. I, I may have some, but I, I didn't put them together. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's uh, someone local here, Mark from Lincoln, Rhode Island, mm. who has a question on something we've already discussed. Okie dokie. Uh, so Mark writes to us, uh, I just listened to your show, your great show from December with Dr. David Hart. I heard, uh, if I heard the live show, I would have called in with this question, but maybe you can answer it. If demons or parasites can be saved by God, wouldn't they have to die first? Uh, if they are fallen angels, how can angels die? Uh, this is this is for you. I don't I don't know anything about. Uh, all right, let's get theological. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, Mark, you are in luck because uh, we traditionally do the uh, reruns on Easter and uh, Orthodox Easter, known as Pascha, which very often are one week apart as they are this year. Mm. So on uh, the nineteenth, which is Orthodox Easter or Pascha, we're going to replay that show. We thought that was appropriate. That that is one of the most listened to shows we have ever done, uh, particularly on YouTube, uh, and when we because we put the recorded shows up on the podcast platforms later. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, you can listen to that again. But okay, here there are some assumptions in your question mark that I might question myself. One is that you have to die to go to heaven. Okay, uh, essentially that is not really a Christian belief. Strangely enough, if you go back to the roots of the theology, uh, or the eschatology as it's called in theology, the study of the last things, consideration of the last things, um, that's not necessarily the case, because heaven is a state of union with God that's simplistic. And that that should begin as soon as you're baptized, I mean, theoretically, or it should at least begin when, I mean, some of the, some of the uh, uh, evangelicals or people of other uh, persuasions might say, well, it begins when you develop a personal relationship with God, or, or however you define it, it doesn't, it begins during your life, uh, and uh, you don't have to die first, okay, in order for that to occur. Mm-hmm. So, now, I don't quite imagine uh, some of these parasites having personal relationships <laughs> with God, uh, well, however you may define God. But arguably, all of creation has a relationship with Precisely. God. Precisely, yeah, and they're part of creation. We have had, not not often, but now and then, a parasite that, at least we're told by the host, will sometimes apologize for the way it has to live. And uh, the the point of the show with Dr. David Bentley Hart, which, as I say, we'll, we had in December live and we'll have again on the 19th uh, in this time slot, 19th of April, was that um, you know all things would have to be saved in, in the sense of, of made whole or made into the image they were supposed to be in the first place. And you could not have eternal damnation because that that would be an insult to the to the uh, to the mercy of God. That was an ancient argument, but I'm not saying one way or the other. But that 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 was an argument in the ancient church that kind of still, in a way, comes up now and then in the Eastern Church. Um, and people, but people in the West, Protestants and Catholics, tend to take that as eternal damnation as a given. Um, I've never liked that personally. When I was in the seminary, I was a pain in the neck questioner. And so, you know, how, how can, we've got, you know, a, 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 an infinite God condemning his own creatures, or his, or its, or whatever, own creatures who are finite to eternal damnation, whatever that means, for finite sins? I mean, what kind of justice is that? I mean, I'm sorry, I've, ne- I, I've always, always been bothered by that. And people sometimes look at me, you know, what's the matter with you? Well, too bad, I just, I just, I, I cannot justify any kind of God like that. Mm. I can't. It, it, anyway, so um, that, that's not the God I worship. But anyway, uh, that's. Um, I don't think you really have to die first. And I would refer you to previous arguments on the show, uh, previous discussions of, of the question that uh, couldn't, can these things be killed? Um, I, I, I don't think they would... It, it would be... Um, 
I think a dormancy. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think any. There is any such thing as death, because of the nature of the multiverse. You know, again, if that theory is correct, you can't. How can you die? There are many, many versions of yourself, uh, including your body, and um, so you, you could argue that, that there really is no such thing as death, which is why we don't call it death. We call it translation, shifting of consciousness to where you already are, and in. The, different uh, forms, whatever. It's, it's really quite mind-numbing when you think of it. It's um, very difficult to get your mind around. I don't know, Ben, am I making any sense here? No, I, I get what you're saying. Oh, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe I'm the only one who gets it. Um, I, no, I totally understand, and I think um, it, it comes from a, a standpoint that a lot of people in the modern world, I had this discussion with my buddy the other day who's, Who's also uh, who's from India, so he kind of gets it. But you know, I use the terms Western and modern interchangeably, which is probably not fair. Mm. Um, so we'll just say you know the modern perspective of of the of the afterlife is is rather bleak and depressing, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, where it's like, okay, well, you know, you depending on your sort of theological background and kind of how how you view it. The, the the sort of relationship between um, you know the divine and human are is, is very abstract. Even if you you are sort of in that that evangelical realm, it still is kind of an abstract. Whereas you know if if you look at old school teachings, participating in the divine nature of of you know the divine basically is is a given. It's a part of existence and through it you are reoriented and if you are reoriented you reorient all things around you so the argument would essentially be that through participating in the divine and participating in something outside of yourself you it's not just yourself that's reoriented it's all things that are reoriented and that's essentially the goal is is that you know heaven's not this abstract thing that's in the sky, it is here now, in exactly. in in an invisible reality that you know you can participate in, right? So well, it's some, even it can be visible too, right? You know, so we're not of, the island theory here. That that's what we're always no, and you know even then it's like some of the the mistranslations in sort of defining one's relationship with other humans like if you look back at some of like the early 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 christians and their sort of explanations for hell it was very like esoteric right yeah so like um uh there was like a there was a story about a monk who was just walking around in the desert and he found a skull and he poked the skull and the skull started talking to him and he was like oh well you know what's hell like and he was like he was like we're bound back to back with our eyes blindfolded and we can't see each other and that was what it was described like, that your sort of relationship with other human beings is just completely separate and you are utterly alone. See, Elaine and Tippy, there's always somebody with more paranormal problems than you have. Yeah, I mean, in that, it's it's so different than being burned alive at the stake. It's like... Yeah, there are mistranslations. All kinds but, in, of- but in that, you know, getting back to the point, the point being is that how you view sort of existence... Is 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 in in how it's defined by Dr. Bentley Hart, and and his sort of perspective, and you know uh, that he's resonated from you know, you know about fifteen hundred ish years ago, is is how people experienced life then, and how people lived then is really not too different than how it is now. Mm. You know, really the only major difference is technology. You know, if anything, we're a little dumber. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in, in that, how, how people live their lives, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, you know, whatever years ago, it's still yeah. roughly the same. Well, I'm going to pause for a news bulletin here. Uh, we don't even get to do that. Uh, just some, some good news from New York. Uh, the governor of New York says that the number of coronavirus deaths in the state has had its first daily drop. I don't know about New York City, but New York State. I think that's great news after we just share that. So, uh, oh, that's good. I'm sure, yeah, can, that's more than, so Shane, any, add, uh, any further comments here? Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, I don't, you know, I don't come 
into this work. I don't, I, you know, I don't go towards it with uh, traditional religious background or or belief or nothing like that. Um, I'm spiritual in, in everything, but but one thing to consider, and I'm not saying I I believe that this is to be the case, but it's something to strongly consider. So you know, we chop the chicken's head off, rip its feathers out, we eat it. You know, we set, you know, we kill a, a pig and we eat the pork we you know all this other stuff and that's how we live but you know what if what if these things that's how they have to live is a feed off of us and so you know is to kind of think about heaven or hell is how they are acting evil maybe that's how they have to survive we you know we don't yeah. we just don't know that's there's it. some type of they are definitely a life form and if that's how they need to survive then you know how do we judge that you know what i mean we can't, and you know, and that's that's something that that is sort of a part of existence is that we have these sort of inherent biases, and we will always look at something as if, all right, well, this is like me, but if it read more books or whatever, and we we look at it from a perspective of judging it from us. Well, on the other hand, if a mosquito was uh, sucking the blood out of my arm, I'm not going to not swat it. Well, no, exactly. Well, yeah. So we have a we have a caller. We do. I believe it is Tom Spitaleri, our good friend. Uh, Tom, you finally reached me on the phone. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I, I I don't take calls when I'm on uh, deadline, and Tom, I, poor Tom's been trying to communicate. I and I, <laughs> I, I was so checking up on all my friends. What a weird time we're living in now. Isn't it strange? Changing out there. I mean. I've been helping people over the phone. I, I know you guys have been busy helping people out. Shane, you've been busy too, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, I have. Helping people out. This doesn't stop. It's just you got to change what we're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, you're kind of breaking up there. You all right? Oh. No, I just wanted to call in and quick say hi. That's real, real quick because it was near the end of the show. Just to say hi and wish all those investigators that are still helping people out the best of luck. Very good. Well, thank you, Tom. That's a good thought, and we echo that. No problem. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Okay. I think we might have time for one more question. This is from Michelle in Austin, Texas. Sure. Third one down, Ben. Alrighty, so uh, Michelle writes to us, I'm hearing a lot of people say that the coronavirus is being spread by chemtrails. Have you heard anything like this? What do you guys think? Uh, who would be doing this and what for? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of pilots. I, I have some experience with private aviation myself. I, I think the chemtrail thing, I've never seen any evidence that, that it's true. And what, what the chemtrail thing is, is very often you look up in the sky and you see an aircraft going by and there, there's a long tail of smoke coming out. And it's a, it's a, it's a contrail, a condensation trail. Mm. And uh, so sometimes it can expand. It has been known to form uh, to affect the weather in, in a minor way by forming clouds. But you know, but people say, "Aha! It's you know the government seeding uh, you know mind control chemicals on us." You know, and, and who knows? I mean, I believe anything. I mean, I don't think they need chemicals for mind control. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And and I don't put a lot of stock in the chemtrail thing. Shane, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do I do research everything, and, and I I did find a pretty credible source um, where it was actually admitted that they do um, chemtrails for certain reasons, mostly weather related and, and and other things like that that they that they've admit, admitted to. Um, now, could they do it for something else like this? Sure, I mean, um, it, it, actually, if you're gonna spread. A, a virus that would be the best way to do it. I mean, I know I hear the theories that it's the new world order trying to lessen the population. You know what I mean? So there's all kinds of crazy theories out there or whatever. But um, you know, I don't I don't think that's the case right now. I don't think they're spreading it through chemtrail. Um, but that certainly would be the most effective way, probably. <laughs> so we, let's not give them any ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think I've never been a conspiracy theorist either, but I have to say, I think I'm getting there. Um, just looking at all, looking at all things uh, as they are today. I don't. Know, but that that's not a subject for this show uh, right now, anyway. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there, uh, Michelle. I, I, um, I, I don't think that's necessarily what's happening. Why would they need to do that? Flying like that is expensive. Uh, all they have to do is rely on people's um, uh, inability or unwillingness to, uh, you know, co- to follow the the rules of social distancing and things, which I think is very smart. And um, anyway, that's uh, I, I don't know. If we can say any more about that. 
So uh, we have a, um, a very interesting report from um, yeah, we got a little bit, Phil. Too. Yeah, no, Phil, uh, our reporter, one of our reporters in Connecticut in the Litchfield Triangle area, lives right there, that there have been some interesting uh, things going on in the sky. Alrighty, uh, Phil writes to us, uh, there have been some weird lights in the night sky uh, around midnight the past few nights. Three lights in a triangle pattern uh, to the northeast of my home, which is by uh, coincidence, uh, where the uh, Goshen Triangle is up at uh, the east, up by East Street in Goshen. Of course, it could be nothing, uh, but it is new. I look forward to your program this Sunday. It really is today. Well, thank you, Phil. It's very interesting, and uh, Phil and I have communicated, and he's going to attempt, because it's been cloudy, uh, as it has been here, because that's only about two hours west of here, uh, here in Rhode Island, and it's uh, been cloudy, but he's been, um, he's going to try to get the old camera ready, and uh, as much as he can, uh, maybe see if we can get a couple of pictures of it. Uh, I have checked the MUFON reports. Sightings do seem to be way up. Maybe it's because people are, are at home and have nothing better to do. But That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have more, le- I should say, not, not nothing better to do, but more leisure to observe the sky. Shane, what have you been hearing? What's going on in New Hampshire, and what have you been hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been about the same around this area for, for the last, you know, two or three years. It's been pretty active. Um, you know, I, I get a lot of reports from the locals and people around, and um, and I certainly have seen uh, quite a quite a lot and one right over my driveway right before we left to, to the pennsylvania case in may which was the most insane thing i've ever seen in my life in the sky um but but Until certainly yeah. pennsylvania yeah, well actually the one i saw above my house was more amazing really more str- more strange more strange that's wow. a better word yeah it was it because it, it wasn't like I don't know, maybe I never described this on the show, but it wasn't like a craft and it wasn't like a disc like we you know, like we saw the disc come out of that light figure or whatever that was like a uh, like white like you said like a white hole or whatever like a but it was almost like a plasma weird substance anyways and uh, but this was a a, a circle um, it was probably the size of a car but it was it was perfectly round and it was three-dimensional so it was like a tube like those old round fluorescent light bulbs mm. but but it was perfectly solid and perfectly white and it was all the way around with the hole in the middle and it was standing up on end um kind of diagonal from where i was standing about 30 feet it was about 30 feet 30 to 40 feet above my driveway not far from where i was standing on my back deck pretty close what was strange was i was sitting there i was standing on my deck and i was thinking to myself i'm like and it was these are just thoughts in my head i'm thinking to myself it's it's been a while since i've seen a ufo which is weird because i was seeing so many of them and a voice that wasn't my own said turn around and look behind you and i turned around and looked behind me and that's what i saw and just as i was reaching for my phone it moved forward about another you know about 30 feet forward as it shrunk um in size until it would it was just gone i mean it was just sort of like whoosh, to till it was nothing wow. it was the most bizarre thing i've ever seen it wasn't a cloud it was it was a solid object and um yeah i mean i've seen craft looking things in the sky but in discs but this i don't know what this was but it was weird and it and i i, I promise you it talked to me it was it was bizarre wow that's amazing well we're, we're pretty much out of time for questions but shane could you tell us um what you're up to where people can find out more about you yeah, truehost.com is my website. My contact information is there. Um, and because of this virus, everything that was scheduled is canceled. So, you know. Uh. <laughs> yeah, us too. Mm. Uh, although we are we are working on, uh, for our YouTube channel, something uh, that might be a, a charity related. And uh, Shane will get involved in that. He doesn't know it yet, but uh, we'll, we'll get him in on that. He does now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, the, uh, we're also, uh, the group of us that was in pretty much in Pennsylvania, plus Ben is going to be, is working on a UFO book. Uh, we're going to, uh, we'll be telling you more about that. We'd hope to have that ready for our, our fall events. Hopefully there'll be fall events. Uh, but also involved mm-hmm. will be, um, uh, Steve LaPlume, uh, from the Rendlesham case. He's going to be contributing a chapter and, and saying some things about that that he hasn't. Uh, Shane, of course, uh, hopefully, uh, Alexander Petikoff and uh, Charles Credo as well. So our whole kind of crazy gang. Uh, will be involved in that. So, okay, well, why don't we move on to our announcements at this point? Sure. And thank you, everyone, for writing in, and please stay safe, and let's hope for uh, uh, that the good news from New York will continue. <clears throat> so, uh, again, all as we just said, all our planned spring events have been canceled because of the global pandemic. However, 
Uh, we are working on this uh, YouTube uh, pre- presentation. Uh, ben and I will give you more information on that as we go. Keep an eye on our social media pages, Facebook, uh, our, our personal Facebook pages, Paul, and, uh, Paul Eno, Ben Eno, and the show Behind the Paranormal uh, with Paul and Ben Eno Facebook page as well. Where you can also find that amazing video uh, from 2010 when Ben and I got the thing in the tree. <laughs> Mm. which is pretty interesting. Uh, we do hope that all this will have blown over by fall, as we say, we can get back uh, to the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend, September 5th and 6th, as speakers, and to do our fifth annual live broadcast of this show from the historic Exeter Town Hall on Sunday the 6th at noon. The event is sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to raise funds for local children's charities, and they do a great job. Uh, we are also, or we also hope uh, to be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts. That's on Columbus Day weekend in October. Uh, my dad will be the keynote speaker to mark his 50th anniversary in paranormal research. Happy anniversary, Dad. Gee, thanks, Ben. <laughs> also in October, you can look for us on the Travel Channel, and uh, we can't say any more about that. Uh, check out our books, including Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. And now, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God. They're available from online retailers, Amazon, of course, too, and in some stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com, and uh, you can get them there. Uh, also at that website, you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, and uh, get some of the... We can get all the links to some of the recent videos and also the uh, recorded shows. Uh, however, um, we they're not all up on the site. You need to go to the podcast platforms, iTunes, uh, YouTube, and all the rest of them, and you can find shows back. Uh, we're getting them all up there, but we're back to almost 2009 right now, and we'll get, we'll get the, the 2009 and 2008 shows up there as soon as we can, but all the rest are there. Uh, okay, so... Ben, uh, charities? Yes. So there are links to several charities on our show website, uh, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. And don't forget about the Milk Fund here in Northern Rhode Island. So what do we have ne- next week, the next two weeks, Ben? So for uh, so the next two weeks on April 12th and 19th, uh, as we do every year, we'll bring you rebroadcasts because of both Western and Eastern celebrations of Easter. Uh, respectively. On April 12th, uh, we will replay the blockbuster show from February with Murray Silver, uh, Defeating Parasites. And on the 19th, uh, we'll rebroadcast one of the most popular shows we've ever done uh, from December last year, Will Satan Be Saved? with theologian uh, Dr. David Bentley Hart. Okay, and we'll be back live on... uh here on ON 1240 and uh, 99.5 FM on April 26th with a look at the strange life of journalist and mothman uh, chronicler John Keel. No time for a quote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of... Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.